Okay, well, as we've seen, uh, we're coming to the end of Amos. And as I said earlier, it's maybe uh, we're waiting for that uh, talk about judgment and punishment to end. And then maybe we can have a little relief, maybe move on to something more positive. Um, this week I was asked uh, by somebody, what do you do when uh, with friends who are pretentious? Now, I don't know whether it's whether I uh, went to a boys, boys boarding school or uh, where there's a, I mean, when you get a group of boys together, especially without any, any girls there or any adults there, there's a lot of banter. That's like teasing. Um, or whether it's just a British thing. My immediate response was, well, I mock them relentlessly. Um, I think I, you, those of you who know me know that I can be a little bit blunt about these things. If someone is doing something to show off, if it's a friend, then I feel my, it's my duty to knock them down a peg. I think, you know, that's something that's more prevalent among boys. Uh, I think that is a very male thing, you know, from many years of teaching. But I, I, I do think it's a kind of British thing as well. I actually hear that it's, it's more so in, in Australia, um, where I was talking to my Australian colleagues, where the, the students will actually mock their teachers you know, very openly. I think there is gentle mocking uh, in the British system. Uh, but I think in some ways that can be quite a good thing. But I wonder how often you've heard the phrase, especially from your friends, now, this is a, a terrible phrase, and it, I think this invites mockery as soon as it's said, the words, do you know who I am? Those terrible words, do you know who I am, immediately invites mockery, doesn't it? I uh, remember uh, one of my closest friends uh, was uh, booked a room, uh, upper room in, in a bar in central London, for her party, her birthday party, and a certain young pop star tried to get into her birthday party. He was denied and then he uttered those dreadful words. Do you know who I am? And promptly was laughed at and the door was shut in his face. It's always a little satisfying to hear that, especially if it's someone who thinks they are special, someone who thinks they are important. But here in this passage, we see something different. I see something different. And this is why uh, I bring this up. Because if that person is important, if that person is special, then we better pay attention. That's the only time when you can say those words with impunity. It won't surprise you that uh, God is delivering the final word, his final words on his judgment. It is a crescendo of sorts. And to me, it has the full authority and finality of someone who can genuinely say those words. Do you know who I am? And I hear that clearly as we read through this passage. So let me share this with you. And let me read through as much as I can. 
I saw the Lord standing beside the altar and he said, strike the cattle until the thresholds shake and shatter them on the heads of all the people. And those who are left of them, I will kill with the sword. Not one of them shall flee away. Not one of them shall escape. If they dig into Sheol from there, shall my hand take them. If they climb up to heaven, from there I will bring them down. If they hide themselves on the top of uh, Mount Carmel, on, on Carmel, from there I will search them out and take them. And if they hide from my sight at the bottom of the sea, there I will command the serpent and it shall bite them. And if they go into captivity before their enemies, there I will command the sword and it shall kill them. And I will fix my eyes upon them for evil and not for good. The Lord God of hosts who touches the earth and it melts, all who dwell in it mourn and all of it rises like the Nile and sinks again like the Nile of Egypt who builds his upper chamber, chambers in the heavens and founds his vault upon, a vault upon the earth, who calls for the waters of the sea and pours them upon the surface of the earth. The Lord is his name. Are you not like the Cushites to me, O people of Israel, declares the Lord? Did I not bring up Israel from the land of Egypt? and Philistines from Kephtor, uh, and the Syrians from Kir. Behold, the eyes of the Lord God are among, upon the sinful kingdom, and I will destroy it from the surface of the ground, except that I will not utter, utterly destroy the house of Jacob, declares the Lord. But behold, I will command and shake the house of Israel among the nations, and as one shakes with a sieve, but no pebble shall fall to the earth. All the sinners of my people shall die by the sword, who say disaster shall not overtake or meet us. And I'm going to stop there for a, a minute, and uh, we're going to have a look at the rest uh, in a, a little bit later. I can change this so we get more of this. Let me pray as we go on. Father, we pray that we can um, heed these words of judgment. And even though they were meant for the, uh, the Israelites, judgment that you carried out not 40 years later. Lord, we pray that we can learn from this and realize who you are. That you are the creator God. And that you are a merciful God. Jesus name. Amen. So as I said before, this is like a crescendo of this musical movement, quite a harsh, you know, punishing movement all the way through Amos. The theme of earthquakes and fire and flood have been hinted at all the way through the book and they find their conclusion here. There is definitely an echo uh, of various different other passages here. In Isaiah, we have God stand, well, by the altar, 
But in Isaiah, God is sitting by the altar. Here we see God standing by the altar. In Isaiah, we see uh, God doling out forgiveness. But here we see a God of judgment. And we need to realize that the God we believe in is both. And we'll see that later on. Shake the capitals until the threshold shake and shatter them on the heads of all the people. And those who are left, I will kill with the sword. Not one shall she flee away. Not one shall escape. Judgment is coming. If they dig into Sheol, that's hell. From where shall they, uh, uh, from there shall my he- uh, hand take them? Not even digging into Sheol, the depths of the earth, will they be able to escape. If they climb up to heaven, from there I will bring them down. If they hide themselves at the top of Carmel, that, that is a mountain that was known for uh, its caves that they could hide in. There is judgment. There is God. There is judgment. Judgment is coming. If they go into captivity before their enemies, there I will command the sword and it shall kill them. And I will fix my eyes upon them for evil and not for good. Judgment is coming. The warnings have already been given and the warnings were ignored. The Israelites have had their chances and they've had their warnings and it is now too late. God's judgment is coming now what's this thing down in verse seven are you not like the Cushites to me that's uh modern day uh ethiopia that would have been seen as a far distant land are you not like a far distant land to me i don't know who you are you're like strangers to me Did I not bring up Israel from the land of Egypt? Now, this is something that the Jews, even in Jesus' time, and even now, draw upon. This is their great pride. God saved us from Egypt. God conquered Egypt. God brought us out. This is why we are special. But what does God say here? Did I not bring up Israel from the land of Egypt? And also... The Philistines from Kafta and the Syrians from Kir. What's God saying? No, that doesn't make you special. I've moved people around all the time. Behold, in verse 8, the eyes of the Lord God are upon the sinful kingdom. This sinful kingdom. And I will destroy it from the surface of the ground. And then here, there's just a glimmer of hope. So all of this great uh, symphony in this minor key has this just interweaving of this little positive note, this little glimmer of hope that weaves itself through here. So, God is asking, who do you think you are? Do you know what I see? I see a sinful kingdom. 
one that I've sworn to destroy. And we know that within 20, 40 years, the kingdom of Israel is no more, never to be the same again. So what do we learn? Judgment is coming. Judgment came for Israel. But also judgment is coming for each of us. When we die or when Jesus returns, it doesn't actually matter which one comes first. Judgment will still be coming. And if we don't want to face, uh, face the same terrible fate as Israel, then we had better uh, pay attention. We had better change our ways. Now, I have entitled this sermon, The Storm and the Hope. As I said, like a great crescendo, we see God delivering his judgment in one last great tumultuous outburst. And it finishes on this final note. I will destroy Israel. But then the music fades. And that gentle melody in the positive key that we just saw a hint of just then starts to come through. Except that I will not utterly destroy the house of Jacob, declares the Lord. And then goes on from verse 11. In that day I will raise them up. Liberal scholars don't believe that this second part was written by Amos because it was sudden change of tone. But those commentators haven't been reading their Bible and they don't realize that this was the plan of God all along. Let's read on from verse 11. In that day, I will raise up the booth of David that has fallen and repair its breaches and raise up its ruins and rebuild it in the days uh, as in the days of old. They will possess, uh, they, they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the nations are called by my name, declares the Lord who does this. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper, the treader of grapes him who sows the seed uh, the mountains shall drip sweet wine and all hills shall flow with it i will restore the fortunes of my people israel and they shall re rebuild it they rebuild the ruined cities and inhabit them they shall plant vineyards and to drink their wine they shall make gardens and eat their fruit I will plant them on their land and they shall never again be uprooted out of the land that I have given them, says the Lord. You see, this house of David, this great house of David. It's not a house anymore, is it? It's a booth, a hut, the mighty palace of Solomon has been reduced to a shack. It's will be repaired and restored and rebuilt. There will be a remnant after the destruction. But as we know, the temple and the palace, well, the palace was never rebuilt. The temple was but a the temple is but a shadow of what it used to be. In Acts 15, the apostle James quotes this. Let's uh, have a quick look at... Uh, Acts 15, 
it. Okay, I've forgotten which verse it is. Uh, here we go. So, James quotes from Amos 9 in Acts 15 with no mistake. And let's read this and see whether you can notice the differences. Because those are quite key. After this, I will remit a return. And I will rebuild the tent of David. So he changed it to a tent. Okay, that might be hinting to uh, the tabernacle and the, the, where the tent, uh, tent of, the, uh, of the Ark of the Covenant was. The tent of David that has fallen, I will rebuild its, rebuild its ruins and I will restore it. That the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord and all the Gentiles who were called by my name says the Lord who makes these things known from of old. So rather than using all nations being called, he specifically uses the word Gentile. And he's using it here when there's controversy about Paul, Paul's teachings, Paul's teachings to the Gentiles to confirm that ministry. You see, Amos couldn't see the day when Gentiles would be brought into the nation of Israel. They would be the new Israel. They would be God's people. But through that lens, through the lens of the New Testament, we know that Israel, the new Israel, was never meant to be the Jews as they were. But rather, we can read in John's Gospel... I haven't brought that up, but let's have a look. Powers and modern technology is great, isn't it? And we're reading from verse 9. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to those, to all who receive, did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And this is the gospel, the great hope, the certain hope that we have, we who are not born of blood, who are not chosen by the will of man. Our parents didn't decide that we would be Christians and that we would have that place in heaven. Yes, our parents, parents, you do have a great responsibility to bring your children up, to teach them the gospel, to, to you know, show them the love of God. But that is not our choice. That is not their choice even. That is God who brings them into this kingdom of God. Not by blood, not by flesh of man, and not by will, the will of man, but by the will of God. We are adopted into God's family. We have a promised place in heaven. And this is something that we must never forget or take for granted. So what does this mean for us? 
We have to live with the knowledge that judgment is coming. We know that we are saved. We have a guaranteed place in heaven, but we cannot be complacent. But also means that we should not be building up treasures here on earth. We should be building up treasures in heaven. I've said it once, I've said it again, uh, that I was once told that our treasures in heaven, what are those? Someone once said that our treasures in heaven could be the people who we are, take a hand in converting. Not through our hand, but obviously God using us to convert those. And how wonderful will that be when we see those who we've been praying for, who we've been loving, who we have been talking to about our faith. If we see them in heaven, judgment is coming for them. We are adopted into God's family. And they can be too. So we work for justice and righteousness, as has been uh, repeated all the way through Amos. This is our witness for God, for the glory of God, because God is a God of justice and righteousness. And through that work, we work to win the lost, because without God's grace, through nothing that we have done, we would be facing that destruction as well. God asks us to have compassion on the lost because that was us before God came and dragged us out of the, the mire and depths of that, uh, of our own sin. We would have ignored the warnings. We would have ignored the judgment coming. And so we have to be a witness to that. Let me pray. Father, give us boldness and the right words to say when we talk to our friends, when we talk to our families, when we talk to uh, those who don't know you. Let us be a witness. Lord, we pray that judgment is not something that we use to, to beat them with a stick, but used to spur us on to love them ever more. To have that urgency, Lord, let us not be enamored by the riches and glittering things in this, uh, in this world. Fame and glory and wealth and comfort, Lord. Lord, help us to keep our eyes fixed on heaven and on you. In Jesus' name, amen.